the show notes? You did. Yeah. So who's unprofessional? I mean, you're acting like it's a you lot were, of notes. You, you were just off write, today. You write really large. You were off today. You didn't write jack shit. I didn't even know the name of the film. So who's unprofessional? That's probably me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what did we watch? <laughs> I know I enjoyed it, but I can't remember no, for the life of if me. If it's any consolation, I couldn't remember if it was called Rattlesnake or Snake Bite. I was like, what was it called? Something like that. Coming in with a buzz on this edition of two, 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 Star Tuesdays. That one had a flair. Welcome to the Nightmare Box, presenting Two Star Tuesdays. My name is Brett Blue. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the venomous Kristen Pennington. And we're here today to talk about 2019's rattlesnake so you wrote the year down for you this time thank you and then i put my pen over it and that could have just been you know a segue that sounded professional but fuck me and my dream <laughs> <laughs> so where are we gonna start uh, new format Kristen pennington well we still do the usual opener so rotten tomatoes critic score is 28 percent okay audience score is 14 percent IMDb is 4.6, and I feel like we can probably both agree these are kind of harsh numbers. I would almost give it a straight 70%. I'd probably go 60, maybe. But, like, somewhere up in that higher yeah. echelon. Definitely on the better side yeah. of 50. Like, would, definitely at least a 5. Yeah, if it was on a grade scale, I would not F this film. It would mm. be, you know, this is my D. You know, like yeah. I would watch it again if it came on. I didn't mind it. Yeah, like, I say a solid 60% is probably where I'd land. But, um... Director and writer, the same person. Ooh. Zach Hilditch, I guess is how you pronounce it. Did he um, do anything we know? No, nah, he didn't, hadn't worked on anything that I'd recognized. Yeah. Um, the production company, I literally couldn't figure out if they had worked on anything <laughs> that we knew because it's called Campfire. Yeah. And on the Wikipedia page, when you try to click on the name of the production company, it takes you to the Wikipedia page about campfires. So if you want if you want to learn about, you know, how to build a campfire when you're camping. You can try to research this production. Company. Yeah, because it didn't pull up anything for me. And I was like, well, there's that. I couldn't find it on the IMDb. So um... because of the name Campfire Productions, I didn't realize until about halfway through this movie that we were in Texas. I thought we were in the rattlesnake. We live here in Montana. The rattlesnake is a whole situation mm-hmm. up here in Missoula. And I was like, I th- 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 are they, is this Montana? Did they shoot this in the Bitterroot? What is going on? Filmed in New Mexico. But filmed in New Mexico. The location of the movie is yeah. Texas. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, filmed in New Mexico. Um, when they start showing those big open skies, it's hard to tell. It's when they're like, oh, it's a desert. That's why rattlesnakes <laughs> exist there. <laughs> um, also produced by Netflix, so no budget information of any kind yeah. to be found. Thank we, you, Netflix. As we have had this Protecting your shareholders. <laughs> yeah. um, no interesting trivia or anything either, unfortunately, this time. Um, this little baby film didn't get a lot of attention, I guess. Um Characters, though, we finally have a two-star film that has a reasonable amount of characters. A reasonable amount of characters, (laughs) and they will get into it later, but they play really well off of each other. Like, all of your mains look like, you know, the mother and the daughter look like they could be of the same family. Very good job on that. Literally look like that was her daughter. So, Katrina is our main character. Her, oh, I'm going to butcher these names, I forgot. Uh, her name is Carmen... Oh, I, I don't have the actor names. I was oh, like, God. you're going to fuck up Katrina, no, Clara, gonna, Billy, gonna, and Abby? <laughs> I'm going to fuck up the actors' names because two of them have 
very unique names. Um, so <laughs> Katrina is played by Carmen Ijogo. I have no idea okay. how you pronounce that. Um, she's not been in anything I've seen, I don't think, but quite a few actual very successful movies. So hmm. she was in Fantastic Beasts, which was the Harry Potter prequel movies that came out. Um, she was in one of the Aliens, like, further down the line. I yeah. didn't write down the title, but it was part of the Alien series, like, much further down the mm -hmm. line. She was in Purge, and I think it was the one that you like, the Anarchy or whatever uh, it's called. Election Day? No, it starts with an A. Well, then, yeah, I think Anarchy is it. Yeah. Um, so she was in that, and then she was also in um, Selena. She played... Shoot, oh, she didn't play her. Selena. No. Or Selma, sorry, not Selena. My, <laughs> my uh, pen was like being so shoddy while I was trying to take notes, so my my notes are a little like <laughs> janky. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher who she played in Selma. It's um, like that classic story about Dave Attell where he came up on stage. There were two Hispanic women sitting front row, and they weren't laughing at anybody's jokes. And he just came out. He goes, "What did Selena die again?" Oh, <laughs> <laughs> she played like a super important character on Selma. So like the best friend this. or the uh, Coretta Scott King. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, like a lot of like really prominent roles for this actress, and um, a little hit and miss in this movie, but overall not a bad performance. No. But she plays the mom character in this movie. Uh, the daughter is Clara. She hadn't done anything at all that Super I knew. Super cute kid. Yeah, um, she had only done like maybe three things, but I wrote down her name just because like she was a cute fucking mm -hmm. kid, and like for the part of the film she was actually in, did a really good job. Kind of butcher her name too, though. Um, <laughs> Apollonia Pratt. Apollonia? Yeah, there you go. Apollonia <laughs> Pratt. Her last name's kind of a little easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there you go. She plays the, the daughter. The only reason I know that is from The Godfather. Oh. Apollonia. <laughs> See, that sounds way prettier. Than... <laughs> Sorry. I, She's I'm, five. She doesn't a... care. A white, 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 white girl. <laughs> I can't with unique S names. Southern redhead. <laughs> Our next character, though, who is the... I hate to label him as a victim because he's a bit of a dickhead, but he is the quote-unquote The ultimate victim. victim. Yeah. Um, Don't he, beat your girlfriend, but... You he know. gets his in the end. Billy is played by Theo Rossi, who is in Sons of Anarchy. Goddamn right. <laughs> I have no idea who he plays, but Brett knows something. He played, and I wish you would have written it down because I forgot who, who he mm. played. He played uh, Juice. He played Juice. Juice in Sons of Anarchy. Please verify that name. <laughs> I knew it began with a J. But uh, he played Juice, if I remember correctly. Uh, had the mohawk with the tattoos on either side of his head. He was like a nobody at the beginning. He was like the kid that they were trying to bring in. Then he has to prove himself, and then he gets himself Juan broken. Juan Carlos Juice. Yep. He gets wound up with the uh, ATF or the FBI, and shit goes sideways, and he's one of the greatest characters. He's like the, you remember in Walking Dead, the Asian kid who got his head bashed in? Yeah. He's like that, but for Sons of Anarchy. Aww. He doesn't get his head bashed <laughs> in, I don't think. I think he lives all the way through, but he's that character, where there's several moments where you're like, they can't kill Juice! Juice is the greatest <laughs> one! No, Juice! Don't die of an overdose! <laughs> it's Juan Carlos Juice Ortez. Yes. Yeah. Or Ortiz. Ortiz. Yeah, that's You too. are bad at yeah. ethnic names. <laughs> <laughs> white, white, white Southern girl who has never traveled until we moved yeah. to Montana. Um, if I would have had the casting notes, I would have introduced him as 
of Sons of Anarchy fame, as I'm one to do whenever those guys pop <laughs> up. You can bring that movies. up throughout the show, though. I will. Um, and the final character, whose name I wrote down, because there are quite a few other little interesting side characters we're going to bring up later, but they literally were not given actual names. Yeah. So we'll get to them when we get to that section. But the final character whose name I wrote down was Abby. Mm-hmm. Um, she plays the... Billy's girlfriend. Girlfriend who yeah. is legit the victim. Um, and she hadn't done anything that I knew either, but I wrote her name down just because I felt bad leaving her name out after I named everybody else. <laughs> uh, Emma Greenwell. Much easier name to pronounce. <laughs> so thanks for that, Emma. Has she been in anything that we know? No. No? I, it was, it was I just, just wrote her name down because I felt bad leaving her name out. <laughs> so... Hell yeah. So what happened here? We've got a... Uh, are we using this as the thing, or do you want to do a plot? Do Yeah, go for the plot. No, so. you do the plot. Okay. I did the other shit. Well, I can bleed it into what I wanted to add, which is instead of doing like a proper plot summary, unless like we really need one, as we were watching this, I was realizing the importance of the two-sentence pitch. Uh, which if you watch a lot of Netflix, that thing that pops up in the side is trying to sell you on the story. But when you have the story, you know, like I have manuscripts, um, if I complete one and I want to sell it, I need to have like the two sentence pitch. You know, I need to be like... somebody to buy that shit. Yeah, this is Sons of Anarchy meets Breaking Bad, you know, and this is what happens in two sentences. You have to be able to, you know, cover your ass in two sentences. And we realized, or I realized as we were starting the film, that that pitch works the same way with the audience. So this movie sold us on, quote, after a mysterious woman saves her daughter from a deadly snake bite, a single mother must repay the debt by killing a stranger before sundown. And I thought that was a very effective pitch. Yeah. It, completely, it was literally the reason we picked the movie. <clears throat> completely encompasses the plot we don't need to explain anything to you past that and this is your uh if you don't want to hear any more come back go watch the film come back and listen to us because i'm going to spoil the shit out of it but there's your two sentence pitch yeah and a lot of the time when we're picking the two stars we'll um first of all just kind of scroll through what's on netflix and then we'll check the rating to make sure it qualifies and then um in the past we've usually gone and watched the trailer and Mm -hmm. see like which one we think looks the li- like least lame, and with this one, yeah, it was like the it description. Sold like we didn't even watch a trailer for it. The description, I was like, yeah, that's super <laughs> interesting. Let's do that. So ready to dive in. Yeah, and I mean, it does prove that having. I think with trailers and pitches, both probably it's probably people... the same thing. You've got you know three minutes to cover an hour fifty or whatever, so yeah. you got to make the most solid three minutes. And yeah. if I've got a manuscript and an agent, then I've really got to. This yeah. is the plot. And I, I think with trailers and pitches, both people kind of embellish what the work really is. Like yeah. you always pick the highlights on purpose, but it's effective to mm-hmm. get people to like come sit down and like either listen or yeah. watch for a little while. So I mean. It could make or break your work. One of like the, the things blurb that, on the back of a book. Exactly. Like, that's the first thing you read, and if you don't like it, you don't buy it. One of the things that we've talked about constantly is hereditary, is the trailer only covers like the first 10 minutes of the film. So they suck you in initially with the trailer, and then initially with the first 10 minutes. So it's almost like a double pitch. And then everything past that first 10 minutes is, you have no fucking idea what's coming down the pipe. Mm-hmm. You know <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I, it's probably the most important 
selling point of your work. So it's definitely something worth spending time on. Goddamn right. Uh, I didn't make a trailer for Happy Birthday. I made a trailer for the dolls when we did the dolls, though. And, like, I honestly kind of feel like even the trailer for the dolls is probably better than the movie of the dolls. Like, I go back and watch it, and I'm like, that looks scary as shit. We nailed the concept. (laughs) (laughs) But we were being reined in. There will be a dolls remake, okay? Eventually. We will do the original dolls. (laughs) So, have you ever... Cause yeah, there's a there's a blurb or something on your book, right? The Mad Men Diaries. There's oh, it's kinda... it's not from anybody but me. It's just a quote from the novel. Yeah, I know, but I mean, like, or from the there, collection. There is. Do you have it handy? Yeah, yeah. Let's sample this shit. Sample this shit. Is it on the back of it? Yeah. How... Okay. Yeah. It's the Mad Men Diaries. It's from one of the quotes. I believe it might actually be from the dolls. It might be from Ashes to Ashes. But the most terrifying things happen in an instant, and the true horror is how permanent those moments can be. It's also the quote on our Instagram page. I <laughs> so, like, what was your like motivation for picking that? Because I mean, like I said, it is super important to like yeah. kind of lure people in. Well, because so. I. I wrote it and then I was looking for the through line and it was written at a point where I was having a nervous breakdown. And so I wanted that to stick, you know, if nothing else, these are individual stories about traumatic moments and nothing else. I'm not giving you what happened after the traumatic moment, what came before it. Simply, these are the moments of trauma. Not for me personally. They're about fictional characters. There's one or two in there that you might be able to draw down like, oh, Brett was... Definitely here (laughs) for this one. But uh, like there's a story about a car that comes to town and there's a dead body being dragged behind it and nobody driving the car. And the person who set the car in motion has walked off into the horizon. So like they're just watching a car come in and then a body is being dragged behind. So it's like shit like that where it's cut down to these traumatic moments. And so I, I scoured the manuscript to find what I thought were the most appropriate sentences and then cut them out to see if they made sense for the whole collection or if, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Did you have to do that for your, um, like when you were pitching for the stuff that you ghost wrote for that we can't actually yeah, talk yeah, about? Yeah. Did you have to like... Yeah, kind of... I had four sentences. So I was allowed to give it a workshop title so that they could conceptualize, you know, kind of what the whole thought would be. And then like four sentence breakdown and they had to be like short, concise sentences. So for the one where it's about the guy who spends the night in the school the night before it's being mm-hmm. knocked over, um, it would be something like, you know, a man loses his son 10 years ago in a school shooting situation, school's being knocked down. He just, he decides to, you know, try to win over his peace by going into the house, but the school is haunted. Yeah. And, uh, I know I'm kind of letting you guys peek behind the curtain right now, but, uh, Brett and I have talked about how we kind of want the two stars to be a little more, I guess, relatable, even if you're not necessarily watching the two stars. Like ideally in a perfect world, you guys are watching the two stars with us so we can kind of laugh together and learn together and whatever. Um, but we kind of wanted to start doing the topic so we could kind of make these conversations that are relatable, even if you haven't watched the movie. Yeah. So 
I don't know why I'm explaining it to you guys. <laughs> well, we're but pulling, leading... yeah, we're pulling like the the major themes, yeah. so that we're not just sitting here listing shit for just this film, yeah. and not diving beyond it. Because the whole purpose of these things were to learn something from these films. Because if they could make it on Netflix, you can make it on Netflix. You know, you just got to shake the right amount of hands and sell your story down a pipeline. But um, if Zombievers could do it, as, <laughs> as has been the motto from the beginning. So yeah, we're just adjusting, you know, yeah. a little so bit. So if we if we seem like sometimes we're straying a bit from the topic of the movie, it is kind of intentional. Yeah. It's not necessarily just an episode about specifically just the movie. Yeah, so much as... and it might ruin the pacing. But speaking of pacing, <laughs> Kristen Pennington. <laughs> um, yeah, this movie was hit or miss. Um, I feel like it started out strong. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We get into the setup of the film relatively early on. I think within the first 15 minutes, we've kind of established the premise. And it's not like typical two stars. I feel like either take way, way, way too long to get there or for the first five seconds, you're already there. And it's like, whoa, like, give me some context here. We've rushed into it. So this one, I feel like nailed the setup. You get the whole... Her and her daughter are traveling alone, and she keeps texting her mom, and her mom keeps checking in. And she's like... listening to Tony Robbins oh, yeah, on the, the Tony Robbins podcast. I totally forgot about Which, that. Uh, can we say this is the first film, I think, that has involved podcasting in it that I've seen? I have not seen... Definitely the yeah, first one that Tony I've Robbins seen. is a weird choice. They might not have it patted down as the first time that that's been referenced, but that's a massive cultural thing, especially right now during the coronavirus. No way they predicted that last year when they made this thing. But, <laughs> the podcasts have become more mainstream. Yeah. So now they're being involved, and there's voices in there that you will recognize. You know, like I don't particularly like Tony Robbins, but it was cool... You know, to see that to see that side of it because that's how that's how our podcast will be referenced one day in a movie, possibly, probably (laughs) in our own. But, um, but um, like I listen to podcasts when I drive. I love music. I listen to music mainly when I'm cooking dinner. You know, like or if I'm doing something around the house, I like to have music on. But from like the nine to five, I like to listen to conversations and try to learn things. So it was really cool to be able to see the podcasts in the films yeah taking your cultural elements if you will there you go um back to pacing though okay <laughs> um so i i liked that yeah because she's listening to the podcast as she's driving and we get that kind of initial setup of like she's tired and she's traveling and yeah. she takes the detour as he's basically telling her bad situations are going to mm-hmm. come into your life and how you confront them you know determines things but um she takes the detour and, of course, that seemed a little cliche, simultaneously somehow loses cell signal and blows a tire at the same time. Yeah. So, I, like, that part, I was like, that mm, was a, That was a bit rushed. Bit much. She should have lost her cell signal, like, five minutes before, and then they're still driving. She's trying to hold it together, and then pop like, tire. Yawning, because she's tired, because the podcast is cut out, because maybe she forgot to or, download it, or, or whatever. just because she's listening to Tony Robbins. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but, yeah, tire goes out, mom is trying to change the tire, a little girl is trying to entertain her herself snake bites her and like there's all these logical like boom 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 yeah. set up this problem and then cool little like set up with this trailer appearing out of nowhere well, blaring music can we pause before we get to that which yeah. is 
that's important in writing, you know, no matter what you're doing, is you need to establish that this character lives inside of a world before you have your inciting incident. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't just toss somebody into a situation on, you know, page one, chapter one. What I like about, like, my core Matt McCarthy novels, which he's a shed example of what I'm trying to explain here, because it <laughs> takes him a hundred fucking pages to <laughs> establish part one, and then he uses the other 200 to go through B and C. But you need to establish that this character lives in a world that is real. So mm-hmm. you spend enough time with these people. You see their relationship as a mother and a daughter. Uh, you see the world that they're in and that there's stress right there at home. And then, boom, you're hit with the inciting incident yeah. for the rest of the film. So don't just rush in. Yeah, you know, not. guns ablazing. But you can. You know, you can do the saw thing where you start in the action and then work your way backwards for a second. Yeah. But even that is just establishing the world that you're you're within. So establish that world. So that when a trailer magically appears out of nowhere, I'm yeah. not going, what the fuck? That wasn't there a minute ago. I did like... Because the... you trust that character and she's confused. Yeah. <laughs> like she immediately is like, what? Because the trailer is like blasting music and it's like, I definitely would have noticed yeah. that. Like... If alcoholic, that had been there. yeah, <laughs> alcoholic, single mother, fucking listening to Fleetwood Mac, <laughs> living yeah. in the prairie. But we go into the trailer and she's like sobbing, like begging, please help. My kid's been bit by a snake. Like yeah. we don't have cell phone service. The tire is blown. Like she's gonna die. And this weird fucking lady takes her kid, which mm-hmm. I don't know. I would have been chill with going back out to the car, but she's like, yeah, we'll discuss payment later. You better yeah. get that tire changed. The nearest <laughs> hospital is so far away. And so she goes outside and she's changing the tire and she comes back in yeah. and the woman's gone. Note and... to people that don't know how to change tires. Um, instead of pulling, put it a place where you can kick it down. Uh, it's a lot easier <laughs> when you do that. But she comes back in, the woman's gone, her kid is completely healed and the wound is gone. And yeah. the last thing this lady said to her is literally, we'll talk about payment later. Mm-hmm. Creepy setup. Creepy setup. And a lot of... Um, tension that comes in when we're given this guardian angel character the the black guy who'd been stabbed um mm. you know like this this ghost that comes through and he's like well would you like to see almost like the ghost of christmas past would you like to see what would have happened if we did not intervene and, and she's then blue yeah, and her veins are like inflamed yeah and not kick-ass i don't know if it's special effects or if it was makeup or like how they pulled it off. I don't know how they pulled it off, but it, it looked pretty cool. I was for that. it. And uh, if it was actual makeup on that little girl. <laughs> pro move. Pro move on her part, being all chill, like, I'm like, Dad. <laughs> She's just laying there, like, Mommy. <laughs> no, I, 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 you've written down that it struggles to find a rhythm throughout, but um, I liked the rhythm. There was a point where I was like, that's two minutes too long that's three minutes too long but overall like i think it it presented itself as a drama while still being a horror film like kind of like a thriller you know it's not going to jump out and snatch you but it did linger at points my problem with it is it takes too long for katrina to make the decision on who she's going to go after and like too long to act on it. Like, and I feel like if there had been more emphasis on her internal struggle, I would have bought this more. Like we have a moment where she thinks she's going to kill the old guy in the hospital and she goes into the bathroom and she's like freaking out and like trying to like calm herself back down. That was a pro move. (laughs) And that, 
moment and then she comes back outside and sees the old man has immediately died afterward and she's lost her opportunity yeah. and like the whole family is grieving and like you can see on her face she's like upset with herself for and not the having little killed kid him. on the bicycle yeah but gets the, his fucking a, head beat yeah, in that's, yeah that's the characters though we'll get to that okay, okay. I'm, not, I'm not reading ahead here love I'm just saying like she misses all of these opportunities that kid was a ghost though that kid wasn't real yeah, but she gets to see him die. Like, she thinks about running him over oh, with the yeah. car. You know? Yeah. Um, like, this kid was an asshole. I could just take his ass out like <laughs> But, like, in the hospital scene, you can see, like, she's visibly upset with herself that she didn't kill the old man while the rest of the family is grieving that the old man is dead. Yeah. And, like, I was okay with that portion because it was like you could kind of see her struggling trying to work up the courage and then she can't do it she goes into the bathroom she freaks out and then she's pissed that she didn't do it yeah the whole sequence brilliant inner conflict yeah but the whole sequence leading up to her finding billy specifically and the way that that worked out that she finally did follow through took so much time and there wasn't enough tension for her like i feel like i would have been okay with the struggle of trying to justify it if she had been more visibly upset and distraught and like conflicted. Well, my problem is I, outside of it's a pretty shot. I don't know why we wound up in the desert when she could have just came out, blasted that dude in the back of the head. You cut out at like an hour 20. And I feel like she's revenged the women in the film yeah. by killing this abusive cunt. And I feel like the whole taking him to the desert sequence is supposed to represent like her struggling with it because she's like to do, just it do this just, do yeah it. and like trying to like internally get there whether or not she's going to do it herself and she doesn't actually kill him until he's pretty much on his deathbed anyway yeah. so he's definitely going to die she pretty much she could have done it a little bit more mercifully but Bercy kills him at the end is kind of basically how it amounts to after he attacks her first mm-hmm. um I feel like that was maybe their attempt to build tension of her struggling with the decision. It wasn't executed well enough. It should have been on the front end. Yeah, like I feel like if she had been more like upset and like more distraught and like trying to come to terms with this, Mm -hmm. I would have been okay with the pacing. Well, that's what I'm saying is she should have killed him in the house. Or they could have just had that same amount of time with like him tied to a chair and like you've got. Yeah. Um, Katrina and Abby in the house together is like, go girls. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they could have built all that. And the reason why I think that would have worked better is because she's crying behind that closet that she's hiding mm-hmm. in, watching her get beat. And then you've got that scene where she's holding the books up, where uh, uh, Abby's holding the books up. And books? I thought she was holding like a platter of food or something. That might have been it. I, you, I think you yeah. might be right. But where she's standing there, you know, half naked well, and being humiliated. TV. He's yeah. watching the UFC. Like coming around the corner, taking control of that situation, playing it last house on the left style where it's like, all right, bastard, here we are now. Yeah. Now we're in a revenge film. You could have built so much tension inside of that house, but you go out to the desert because you want a specific shot. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I think it was literally about, like, having the sun set over the rocks and stuff. Like, having, like, that, you better hurry up and do it or it's going to be too late. And then... You could have accomplished that with an alarm clock. How the fuck does she get back to her car because she burns his car? Yeah. So, like, the the pacing on the back end bothered me a lot. Like, it's... Like... We'd hit, like, a stride where, like, oh, she's gone into this house and the whole 
like you said, closet yeah. scene, and she's crying, and she's going to do it here, and then it's like, oh, nope, nope, we're moving. We're not going to do it, and he's not going to get away like the others. Yeah, that, and that's another viable option. He gets away like the others manage to get away, and then she's forced to kill somebody in like a gas station fucking even, immediately. Or even like the tension behind like her deciding she can't do it, he's gotten away from her, she's going to kill herself, and like... You have this beautifully, like, poetic moment where we watch her saying goodbye to her daughter and then she goes to start to kill herself and he hits her in the head with a rock and, again, it fucks the pacing up. Yeah. So it's like, I, like... Let a character commit. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's what bothered me is, like, I felt like we'd find a momentum and then it'd be like, nope, we're doing this instead. And I'd be like, for fuck's sake, like, can we, like, it's like we had three endings. Can we make a decision? Yeah. Where are we at? Don't write and direct. It's not a good look. I do like... You're like, I need a shot of the rocks <laughs> bleeding. I never would have thought of the rocks bleeding. For the rocks bleeding? No, but like, I meant color-wise. Oh. Not, not literal. That was my poetry. <laughs> I had a few beers before that. we started this, and I've been drinking while we're doing this. <laughs> I did like the end, though, when they're driving, and they go back to playing the game of like naming something that starts with a certain letter, yeah. and they see the dude she has killed... <laughs> As a hitchhiker on the side of the road. That was And her sick. daughter sees him too. Like, that was super cool. Because we start off the movie that way. Where, what, what was it? A dinosaur or a rhino or... Fuck, I can't remember. It was like, yeah, I see a cow. A dog. Yeah. yeah. Did you see that dog? No, no, I didn't see that dog. And then the opposite of that conversation. Elephant or something. Elephant. That's yeah. what it was. It's like, yeah. I see the elephant. Where is it? Oh, you missed it. You know? Yeah, and then the same thing happens on the reverse end. Which was sweet book ending another thing that we bring up all the time bookend the shit out of it fucking it in comedy it's called a callback you know because yeah, like, in the beginning book end your story in the beginning they're both like playing pretend like trying to trick yeah. the other person in the end it's like no we both saw him we both saw that it's bookended it makes that opening scene significant it makes that end scene significant and much as i was talking about earlier um where you've got to establish that your character lives in a world before the inciting incident, after your C and D act, like establish that they're going back into the world. If they're not dead, they have to continue living. How do they continue living? Nobody lives heavily, heavily, heavily happily ever after. No, you know, no, you they don't I... just cleanly ride off into the sunset. Give them <laughs> this bond. You know, you don't need to make Rattlesnake 2. I don't want to see Rattlesnake 2, but I need to know that those characters are going to carry this this with memory. Yeah, Yeah, that was actually a thing we joked about at the end of the movie. I was like, as soon as that daughter turns into an unruly teenager, her mom's (laughs) going to be like, I fucking killed a man for you. Get your shit together. (laughs) I killed Juice of Sons of Anarchy fame. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a hard thing to live with. I mean, I would definitely... If we had a daughter, probably kill a man to save our daughter. Oh, I never would have but... made it out of that hospital. <laughs> I would have beat that old man to death with a bar. I would have, I would have skipped with, pillow. <laughs> I'd have been like, okay, I'm just going to squeeze his morphine bag right quick and I'm going pee. I think my problem with the movie, um, ultimately, like, uh, like I guess like concept-wise... Though, as I feel like, period, at the end of the day, a parent, I mean, I don't have any kids, so I'm maybe, like, 
overstepping. But you, but I don't want to be a sexist, but you are a woman, so like you have that inside <laughs> well, of you. I, well, I mean, naturally, I, men have to find that when they see the kid. <laughs> Women are like, I have a womb, so I have an innate responsibility for all children on this planet. Well, I, and I spent a great deal of time around my niece when she was growing up too, so maybe that's part of it too. But I feel like most parents, period have that inner, I would make the ultimate sacrifice for my child, period. Or I would kill a city of people to save. But, like, my problem with this movie is she comes to the decision to kill herself so late into the movie. Like, she dicks around, like, am I going to kill you? Am I going to kill you? Am I going to kill you? And I think the first time I sat down and was like, I don't think that I can do this to another person, I would have bought a gun and shot myself and been like, my kid is not going to suffer. Yeah. Like, I, I would not, it would not have taken me that long no, to get to... No, you've got 72 hours, sit down, write a letter, <laughs> and yeah. be like, hey, uh, this is going to sound insane, and maybe it is. Um, but you're in the hospital right now. If I kill myself, you're going to live. Um, I... I Good luck living with Aunt Becky. You know? <laughs> I, I feel like I would have come to that final decision much faster than the mom did. And yeah. I mean, she was a single mom. They don't really explain where dad is. So I, I get not wanting to leave your kid without any parents of any kind. But I would have come to that decision much faster if yeah. I realized I couldn't take someone else's life. And it's not a pro-suicide or pro-murder message that we're sending out here tonight on the Mistakes Were Made podcast. Don't kill anybody if you can avoid it by any means. But uh, for sure, yeah, no, I I would... I would go one of two ways. It's either immediately walk into the apartment, stare at the mountain, stick a shotgun under my head, or immediately kill the first person I saw walking down the street. <laughs> Be like, Speaking of that people. dude looks like he might get killed by coronavirus and I've got a switchblade, so I'm going to stick this shit in his throat right now and just you know forget that I ever did that. Speaking Cold-blooded. of people walking down the street, though, let's come back around to a creepy-ass kid on the bike. Creepy-ass kid on the bike. And characters in general. Goddamn right. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of really cool... I, I feel like one yeah. of the most compelling Can we things... we talk are... about my favorite character? Yeah, can I yeah. finish my little monologue here? Okay, I didn't realize we had... <laughs> I, I don't have a note that says, wait for Kristen's monologue. I don't have a monologue written down. I was feeling myself. <laughs> Feel yourself. And I'm on my second beer, God and I'm normally right. only one deep in the show, so... <laughs> Filling myself. Still pretty early in life, so <laughs> lean into this No, shit. I feel like one of the most compelling things about this movie, and I wish maybe we had gotten to explore them a bit more, are the side characters. Like, there's a lot of really cool side the characters. Ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. And you get kind of a really traumatizing peek at how each of them died. Like, she sees them as just average people out in the world mm-hmm. and then suddenly visually watches how they died in front of her eyes. Yeah. So it's really fucking kind of traumatic. Yeah, it's like the sixth sense happening over and over again. Yeah. And that dude's talking and like he's the voice of authority and then he stands up and he just starts bleeding out of his chest cavity and you're like, holy yeah, fuck. Yeah, the lawyer, yeah. Like, or the truck driver who just like chases her no down. Eye. Yeah. 
he's just sitting over there screaming at her for being black and like she has to like trust the rattlesnake. <laughs> Do what? I don't think he screams at her for being black. That was the whole point. He goes, What are you doing out here, nigger? And he fucking Does he say that? I don't yeah, he flipped that. out. I don't remember that. He was a clansman. You don't oh, remember that? No, That's why he was going out there to kill her, was because there was a black woman in Texas. He was oh. a racist truck driver. No, I don't remember that part. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry oh for God. saying the N-word, but <laughs> no, it's kinda how it hits you in the movie is he runs across the thing with the shotgun he screams that at her no i don't remember that part at yeah, all that's why he was out there to kill her was because she was a black woman and that's the whole thing he got shot by a black woman out there like it ties all back around i do not remember that wow how did i miss that i don't know it was <laughs> the only reason he had to kill her was she was trying to get off you know like out into the woods to do whatever she, or the desert to do whatever the fuck she, she was, was going to do. She was revisiting the scene to try to figure yeah, out what was Yeah, he pulls up. out behind her car, gets out, and starts screaming the N-word at her. Oh my god, I don't remember that at all. No. <laughs> no. No, I completely missed that. <laughs> yeah, I think my favorite, though, is probably... Just little... either how the black dude got stabbed, or like a version of her had been around before that shot that dude in the face, and if you're shooting people that scream the N-word, I'm for you. Oh. <laughs> I only said it earlier for context because it's shocking. I know. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. I, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, when she gets around to that, we were probably a couple of beers deep. But no, my favorite... Likely. <laughs> my favorite character is probably the kid. Because, yeah, you do have that, like, incredible moment where she sees this kid getting on his bike yeah. and, like, biking off. And you can tell she's like, I might kill this kid. Mm-hmm. And then the kid stops, looks back at her, and this creepy-ass motherfucker... Bikes back over, <laughs> taps on her window, yeah. taps his wrist like he's like, time's up, bitch, and starts and smashing his face against her window. got his shit fucked up. It was just like, this is how I died last time. <laughs> you know? Really like, ready to roll. Like, the it was idea... fucked. It was fucked in a beautiful way. Like, I don't know, because the, the deaths in the movie are a little vague, so we're kind of guessing it maybe... Well, we know how they died, but we don't know the circumstances the context, because this yeah. has been going on as long as the rattlesnakes have been yeah. apparently in this area. So, like in my mind, I was literally just picturing someone holding this kid down and like smashing his yeah. face into a rock or like pavement or something like that over and over mm-hmm. until there was no face left. I was like, "Oh God!" That like kid the got visual. fucked up. Yeah, like <laughs> crazy. So I like I I kind of wish we had seen a little bit more of like who those characters were because well maybe that's the fault in the pacing itself is that we didn't spend enough time with these individual characters you know you could give me a glimpse of that a glimpse of you know the dude getting stabbed outside of the typical horror move which is oh i'm going to do a little bit of online research oh it turns out every other person in this town gets murdered (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it's why my favorite character in this entire film gun dude it's the arms dealer the arms dealer is like the grim reaper of this film he's like you're not the first person i've sold a gun to to get over this fucking problem literally asks her if the person she's hunting deserves it yeah just like you better make sure they've got it coming yeah he knows exactly what he's doing he's got glocks in boxes he's (laughs) sitting down he wants to have a conversation with this person it's not your hush hush rush rush you know arms dealer it's not some fucking you know dipshit like it's the smartest guy in the whole movie and he's like i deal death i like do you want to kill somebody 
I like too that there's that really tense moment where he pulls out his own gun and sits it on the table yeah. and like he's kind of a seedy creepy character and like you initially get this like vibe of like he's gonna like shoot her or rape her or do something creepy to her and then like when she leaves like when the last thing he says to her is you better make sure they have it coming yeah. like it's a very clear in my opinion anyway that he set the gun on the table and was like, look, bitch, I'm not the person you're going to kill today. Yeah. Like, he was definitely like... We've got to move. I've been here before. Yeah. <laughs> he was definitely, like, having a moment where he's like, look, I know you're looking for someone to kill. It's not me. Yep. I will shoot you so first. I'll give you all the bullets and all the guns you want, but you're not coming. I am the bringer of death. The arms dealer was my favorite. I like... was great. I like the the hiker too. I think the kid's probably my favorite just because I oh, didn't. Oh, the chick taking photographs. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think the kid's probably my favorite just because I didn't see that one coming. Anytime you can involve a kid in a horror film, it's a it's a hit for me. <laughs> well, I, like the kid literally just looked like a random kid on the street, and then he comes up, and it's like, oh fuck, he's not. So I think that one's probably my favorite just because I didn't see it coming. But I like that the hiker. It's just standing there, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, her face starts turning sideways, and you start seeing, like, all the tendons and stuff yeah. in her neck snapping, and her face is turning blue and, like, swelling. That's like, oh, like, the visual of, like, that slow, like, crunch, 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 you're dead now. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, somebody just legit went, snap, and she was gone. <laughs> that or the priest with that fucking, like old school western scene where he's like standing in front of the church and then the church goes up in fucking flames the priest was fucking sick i liked that one because he burns first and then the cross is burning and the windows are burning and the whole church is going that way what a cool very violent but a lot of cool like little subtly violent like it's not like we're gonna pull out your guts or we're gonna slice your achilles tendon or like bite your penis off like it's the things that we're afraid of when it comes to death, you know, we're afraid of fire. We're afraid of breaking our legs in the middle of the desert and being eaten to death by animals, you know? <laughs> and they do make that illusion of her being like a wolf on the hunt. Yeah. Like she is like a predator looking for her prey. Mm-hmm. I, I think my, I don't know that it was on purpose. I think it was, if it was on purpose, it was very underplayed. I think my favorite thing about this movie, which was, like, something we both pointed out at the very beginning, though, is that there is this kind of doubt on whether or not her version of what's happening is really what's happening. That's the most interesting thing for me when it comes to this story. I'm in love forever with the unreliable narrator, uh, the Telltale Heart, Survivor by Chuck Palahniuk, my favorite ever. You don't know if he really lived, if he really died. Was he the same one? Was he crazy? One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Like the stories like that, um, where you're proposed with a, a narrator who's either like so biased or so insane that you can't really trust a word they're saying. Yeah. Can everybody hear the heart under the floorboards? Or is it just the narrator and the telltale heart? It's just you. Yeah. <laughs> Is it just your guilt rising back up? So in this film, we're dealt with a stressed out single mother who's on a cross-country trip. Not slept in a minute. Hasn't slept in days. Her daughter's in the hospital after being bit by this rattlesnake. Is she actually being contacted by people who are ghosts who want her to take a life? Or is she having a nervous breakdown and is thinking that we might need to take a life? 
in films uh, that we've talked about on here, a good example would be uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Is Nancy a reliable narrator? Or is Nancy keeping herself awake? (laughs) And I feel like if I was going to make any change to this movie, um, like the pacing definitely needs a little work. I don't dislike the story, but I think if I was going to make any serious suggestions to be like, hey, how can we change this to like kind of make it a little more compelling, it would be that. Like we establish literally at the very beginning of the movie that she's been driving this long drive, she's tired, she's not slept. We get to the hospital after her daughter has been bitten and miraculously no longer has a wound and the doctor is like, when was the last time you slept? Why did you bring your daughter here? Yeah, and the doctor's (laughs) immediately like, what's going on? When was the last time you slept? That's a long drive. Maybe you should get a hotel for the night and like... She says that's what she's going to do and then spends the whole rest of the night, the next day, the next night, like trying to figure out the situation, the mm-hmm. 72 hours or whatever she's been given. She's awake the entire time. She never rests. She never changes clothes. She never showers. She never does anything. Like she's literally just go, on this go, mission. Go, go, yeah. Go, go, go. For the entire time. And I have driven to Montana. Yeah, I've driven to Montana. From Tennessee. (laughs) No, I've driven to work on a movie whenever I was still living in Tennessee, in Kentucky, worked a full day on set, and then tried to drive back home that same night and was, like, so, like, ridiculously exhausted by the time I got home. I almost fell asleep driving a couple of times. So, at that point... This character is definitely exhausted, delirious, yeah. like not thinking clearly. When I was working the flight line at Yokota Air Base in Japan back when I was in the Air Force. Uh, we were up for like 32 hours, me and Rodriguez, because they just forgot to pull us off shift Aww. in the middle of an exercise. And I remember vividly we were awake on cigarettes and chewing tobacco. So I had a lip in, a cigarette in my hand, and a Red Bull in my other oh, hand. No. And that was how we were staying awake. It was every five minutes we pulled over and switched drivers so we could catch micro naps in the passenger yeah, seat like a, and i remember going down the flight line and thinking that i've seen a guy in an electric wheelchair roll across the flight line and i vividly remember seeing that and i freaked out and i jerked the wheel and almost drove us into a plane thinking that somebody in a wheelchair was <laughs> trying to blow up one of the c-130s <laughs> So, like, I know what it's like to be, like, you're not there tired. <laughs> yeah, like, in very short order. Like, it does yeah. not take long for the brain to be, like, the fuck are we doing? And, like, after a couple of days, your brain will literally shut your body down and put you into a coma if it doesn't yeah. get enough sleep. So, like, I wish if we were going to tweak anything in this movie, it was, like, let's play up the fact that she's exhausted that the fact that nobody else is seeing these things that she's seeing she's not making rational decisions yeah and like the ultimate ending to the movie for me is that she's taken this life and as an audience we don't know if she had to or not yeah like was this all in her head like if she kills him but Again, it would have been better if it all happened in the house because she could have killed him in the house, gone to sleep, woken up with like police all over the fucking place. Uh, Abby could have been like, why the fuck did you kill my boyfriend? You know, like switch the whole script in that last five minutes, her kids being taken away to foster care. And it's all because we didn't lean into that mental illness angle that we talk about a lot on here. Yeah, and in this case, it'd literally just be like delirium from not sleeping. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a reasonable, not necessarily, I mean, she could have gone to sleep, not necessarily her fault instance. And like, I, I wish 
at the end of the movie, I had walked away being like, was any of that real? Yeah. Like, was any of it necessary? Even if, like, she had gotten away and we still ended the same way with her and her kid driving and you get that, like, replay of them playing that game and they both see the hitchhiker, you could still kind of have that moment of, like, was it real? Like, yeah. was this in her head? Is this dude going to be haunting them now because she killed a man she didn't have to kill? Like, there could have been, like, way more played up on... I, I I don't think I... I mean, it's a movie, but I don't think I would walk out in my everyday life if I was seeing shit like that and, like, automatically go, this is real. I might go to a doctor and be like, there's something wrong with me. Yeah, I've got a problem. Yeah. Well, I've been there before. Like, I've had mental snaps. We talked about them earlier. Like, yeah. Like, I'm probably going to have more in the future. You know? <laughs> I don't just... think the average person experiences this and immediately goes, this is real, though. Yeah, I would no. be like, I think maybe I'm losing my mind. I've, I've, I've gone through, you know, two or three scenarios in my life where I've legitimately, you know, lost my shit like i've been hospitalized for it i'm not ashamed of it um but now when shit starts to get wonky i'm like hey Kristen, do you think that the atf got an apartment across no. the street no okay no. cool <laughs> you know and then i just accept that and i'm like okay well you know i just need verification so if you're ever out there and you're a little curious if you yourself are an unreliable narrator <laughs> you know check in with some people but check in <laughs> Maybe write this film. I, again, I, I say this constantly, and I need to figure out a way to reach out to some of these guys and be like, can I read the original script? Like, I want to see what the original intention was. Yeah. You know, what was lost in the editing bay? Uh, show me what you pitched to them before all the pink and blue and green sheets started getting added to your shit. You <laughs> know, like, I want to see where you wanted to go with it. Because I, I feel with this one in particular, like, there's... Not a lot I would change. No, there's such a core. I would yeah. shave, like, five minutes off of this thing, and I'd add maybe a different five minutes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, I, I would definitely tweak the concept a bit to make it a little more psychological, but I, I think the ratings on this were very aggressive, and maybe they were so aggressive because it had such a solid premise, and it just yeah. kind of went awry at the end. But, but... I liked it. Like, yeah, the the premise works. The whole film works. The only part of the movie for me that like sticks out is absolutely doesn't work. Is this bitch has the same disguise? <laughs> she's Always the only. She's the only black lady in the entire town. There are no other black people outside of the ghost lawyer. Like <laughs> no other black people. She goes into the hospital wearing a hoodie, has a you know a, a, a hat in her pocket. And then she just puts the hat on, pulls the hoodie over, and just no, pretends like the, that's she gonna make her. She doesn't pull the hoodie. She just puts the hat on. Yeah, it's just gonna, that's less pretentious. No, now you're a suspicious-looking black yeah. person. You're the only black person. And she's walking you're around fucked. the <laughs> hospital where her dad, her not her dad, her daughter is a patient. She's allowed to be there, and she's still acting sketch as fuck. It's like, yeah. dude, your daughter's here. Like they're you not gonna fine. be mad. You've said hello to the nurse in your uniform. Like they, they don't have security cameras in places <laughs> like this. You know? <laughs> yeah no my... they're gonna blame you no matter what just because you're black and you're here <laughs> no my biggest complaint Hashtag justice for that dude who got killed in georgia oh no my biggest complaint is a technical complaint uh we almost turned this movie off because oh the God wide lens it. is so fucking nauseating I, I, in certain yeah. sections i granted 
I drank a lot, but um, like make you seasick, nauseating. I was losing it. Like I was like gripping the couch, going, "Holy mother of fuck!" And you explained to me like how that's done, like why the edges of this film are so blown out for mm-hmm. the first like forty five fucking minutes. Like what? Explain it to the audience, there, Kristen Pennington. So the wide lens. I mean, there are different millimeters of lenses, so you can go from just a typical wide lens to a full-blown fisheye lens, you know. Yeah, so which I thought this whole thing was shot <laughs> in fisheye for the first good half. No, I think it was just a regular wide lens, but it is nauseating, um, for sure. So, the wide lens, in my opinion, is a lens you have to be very careful with. Um, it's a very cool lens. I have, like, recently purchased a wide lens and, like, developed a much deeper appreciation for the wide lens it was never a lens i ever worked with before because i was just like ah, oh, like yeah. why do i need that wide of a shot but like the way that it works is the lens is so dramatically curved and it, it literally looks like a fishbowl or like a security yeah. camera lens or whatever it's so dramatically curved like on my wide lens, it sticks out Whatever's further. right in the middle is perfect. And then as you gradually get away from that, it bends back. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, the lens itself actually sticks out further than the body that's holding the lens together on mine because it's so dramatically curved. And, yeah, the way that it works is it sees this wide perspective because of the curvature lets it pick up, like, the entire room. Mm-hmm. And... Unfortunately, you get an effect where if you're sitting too close to a person, they look very distorted and their features start to stretch back. And if you're, you know, just looking at a room, you'll see the edges of the room are kind of almost bending backwards away from you. So if you're panning and tilting and moving around and shit. That's the problem is there was a lot of like movement from the left to the right. Yeah. Panning with and this thing, and it was like trees were just falling into the edge of the fucking. Yeah. And, and I was it's sitting nauseating. there like, oh my God, like, I'm having a panic attack. Like whenever you're using a wide lens, if it's a stationary shot or if you're strictly, depending on the setting, moving forward or backwards, which you're still going to have that distortion of things kind of bending around you. But if it's just a plain hallway and you're just moving forwards, it's a little less obvious. But like, with well, this, we, we use were... it for still shots quite a bit. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't really ever use my wide lens if I'm moving around. Like, it's mostly just still shots. And with that, the the bending at the edge of the frame isn't quite as noticeable. And, like, with this, it was a lot of wide shots in, like, the hospital and in the desert when she went back to read the scene. The desert was the worst. <laughs> yeah, and you could see... Cacti just falling into yeah, each other. Like and I was warping. like, am I on acid? What is going on? <laughs> and, yeah, and it's not a natural perspective for the human <laughs> eye. So, like, whenever you see, like... Everything that's moving past the edge of the frame slowly rippling away, like it's wrapping around the edge of the mm. movie. Like it, it is kind of nauseating. Like I, I would not have leaned into the wide lens as heavily as they did because you could put a, like a like even a fifty for instance. My fifty millimeter lens is what I shoot with a lot, and it's a much tighter closer in lens you could put a 50 millimeter lens on a camera and it doesn't have that dramatic curvature and just move the body of the camera back (laughs) further yeah just back the fuck up yeah like it wasn't an option in the hospital so i excuse them the hospital well you don't need the wide in the hospital then you figure out how to shoot it without a moving wide use the wide in the rooms but you don't need the wide as she's walking down the hallway yeah yeah definitely not but like in the desert there's no fucking excuse to have 
a moving wide, like literally just put a closer lens on, move the camera backwards away from her, and then you can pan and tilt and zoom and all that shit with her. Or not zoom, probably don't zoom. I, I yeah. never zoom. But like move the fucking body of the camera around and there's not going to be that warped edge. So it like bad bad <laughs> like, it, it hurt me i felt like i was falling off a cliff for yeah. like the first 15 for sure like and it gets like the better first, a lot better but it was like for the first maybe 40 minutes it was like do they only have a wide lens mm. are they shooting this entire thing through a wide lens like, like we, we're not gonna get any distance at all legit <laughs> almost paused the move or no we did pause the movie and like we almost turned it off it was like like are we going to be okay? Like, do we need to turn this <laughs> off? Like, I am feel- like we had just eaten dinner, too, to be fair, but I was like, I'm feeling a little nauseous. I feel like I'm falling off a cliff. Yeah. It's like when you play Grand Theft Auto and you jump off a skyscraper and you get that little jolt in your stomach, like, right before you hit the ground. You're like, ooh, that was a little too close to actually falling, you know. I felt I, like I was falling to the right the entire time. And I've never watched a movie ever that's done that. Like, yeah. I don't know if it was... There's been, like, scenes. Like, there's a couple of scenes in The Godfather again i'm gonna bring that up uh but when they go to italy like a lot of the that's done in a wide shot but back in the 70s like you didn't have the kind of televisions we have so it it was not as noticeable you know so when they shot a wide panning like you didn't catch it it wasn't three quarters of the screen is folding in and on itself you know it was just like the last two inches so you and i feel like it must have been like a a bit more of a dramatic wide lens like mine's a 14 millimeter i'm thinking uh, i can't remember offhand what the millimeter is for a fisheye lens but i feel like whatever they were using had to be a bit closer in that range yeah. because i don't think even my wide lens has that dramatic of a ripple like i have used my wide lens like in motion before like in happy birthday when you're sitting on the couch and then it pans over and follows back into the bedroom that was my wide lens i think but you're walking forward in that shot you're not going left to right well there is a because the camera's facing you on the couch and then there is a pan where it turns to go down the hallway and it's just Mm -hmm. the one time to be fair so you know it wouldn't i guess be that nauseating and it's got static in the background so that might be balanced but like i i don't feel like it was as noticeable in my shot that the edges were warped so they must have like i said been using something closer to like a fish lens because it's so obvious yeah, don't do that yeah you no. dirty bastards no and don't do it as many times as you did. what's his name let's call him out directly because he well, wrote and know, shot it and then i don't know who this, that no, he fucking camera. He was the director i don't know who the cinematographer was <laughs> but uh Wh- whoever owned that camera mr campfire zach hilditch <laughs> Please come on our show. Zach, if you're listening to this and you're like, that wasn't my decision, <laughs> you can send us an email at... Wait, you got to close with the... You got to get there. Okay. Uh, Nightmareboxproductions at Gmail. But my favorite line for this entire film comes around the time of the little kid bashing his head into the passenger side window, which freaks out Katrina. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Did I call her something? Uh, freaks out Katrina so hard she tries to run away and gets stuck in her seatbelt and falls back onto the asphalt and almost gets her head taken off. And it was a beautiful shot, you know, to give him that. That was a very final destination, you know. Like she falls out and then the car hits, misses her by like, you know, a, a half a foot. Almost accidentally gets herself killed yeah, to save her Yeah, gets herself kid. taken the fuck out. 
And uh, the driver of the pickup that almost kills her screams out, fucking basalts, man. <laughs> that was my line for this film. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was good. I stand by it. I think I would still give it, after this conversation, I might very well give it a 75%. Because my problem is, wide-angle lenses and... I could probably shave 10 minutes off and add 10 minutes on that would have made this a fucking blockbuster just by being a little bit more patient. I'll bump it to a 65, but I feel like that's about as high as I can go just because for me... That's the best I can do. (laughs) do. For me, yeah, the pacing did kind of drag a bit and I, I feel like... To have such an interesting premise, it should have been taken a bit better care of, I guess. Yeah. But it's campfire films, and right now they're having enough trouble. So get out and support them. Go watch that fucking movie. I I really enjoyed it. Kristen enjoyed it. Um, Get something you can grab hold of because you're going to feel a little nauseated with the wide shots. But story-wise, I thought this was really well done. Um, Needed a few more tweaks. Visually, very well done. Uh, Makeup artists, very well done. Um, Acting-wise, they got juice of Sons of Anarchy fame. It's a thing we didn't touch on this, but just to, I guess, give quick props. Yeah, um, all of the like weird, creepy deaths, like very well done. Like, I believably thought... (laughs) Chick was having her neck snapped and Kid was bashing his head in and, like, the sudden bleeding of the dude getting stabbed. Like, quick props to the makeup. Like, holy mother of shit moments throughout yeah. this thing. Special effects department, like, nailed it. Yeah, if you want to learn something from a film you've not seen before, Rattlesnake is your fucking move. Rattlesnake, 2019. <laughs> not the rattlesnake that is 30 minutes away from here. So, um... And if you got notes for us, if you want to tell us what you think about the new two-star approach, you can send us an email at... Nightmareboxproductions at Gmail. Or over at Facebook at... Facebook.com slash Nightmareboxproductions. Or if you just want to watch some stuff, you can go over to YouTube.com slash Kristen Pennington, and you can watch everything that she's done. Um, She's fantastic. She's brilliant. You should hire her. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you can go on over to our YouTube at... Uh, YouTube.com slash Nightmareboxproductions. Or you can slip on over to the Instagram where Kristen's constantly putting up pictures at. Uh, At Nightmareboxproductions. Or the Twitter that is absolutely dead. (laughs) (laughs) I I retweet the stuff. I try. I I, I, I can go to Twitter for a week and then I'm like, I don't care. It's at Nightmareboxbro. Or you can slip on over to our website. TheNightmareBox.blog Where you can watch the dolls and happy birthday and you can see the pictures that Kristen puts up of our equipment and of stills from the films and of stills from behind the scenes and eventually you can buy my book. But until then... Um, you can read the scripts. You can read the scripts and you can slip on over to Barnes & Noble where you can buy The Madman Diaries, a collection by your boy, Brett Bloom. The most terrifying things happen in an instant. 
and the true horror is how permanent those moments can be. Uh, you're going to be mad at me because you're going to spend about $15 on about 45 pages, but it's okay. <laughs> it's a good read. I cried when I read it. It's poorly formatted, so it's 47 pages long. It should be 90 pages long, but... Uh, your $15 is uh, all I have in this world. So, um, <laughs> We have anything else? Did I miss yeah, any? I think you got them all. Ready to go eat some hamburgers? Yeah. I'm going to listen to Led Zeppelin. Again? Goddamn right. <laughs> I've got it. God, don't go oh shit. We forgot to talk about this. The homework assignment's going to be slightly adjusted. Mm-hmm. Um, I promise you that by the time this episode airs... I'll have something up on the website that'll have the actual thing. Uh, but right now, just think isolation. Mm-hmm. That's your rule. We're nixing the dim lighting, so don't feel... Yeah, uh, we're, I, I, I couldn't figure out how to do a character by himself in dim lighting, so we're going to focus on one at a time. We're probably going to fuck with lighting a lot in ours, but um, the goal is isolation. Your take on the coronavirus, if you will, because I've got a storyline that is about to blow your fucking head right out of your ass. It's <laughs> going to be a fucking problem for the entire horror community, and I hope you're ready for it, because when Kristen gets behind that camera and I get behind that pen, um, it's undeniable. <laughs> undeniable. I'll die on this fucking cross. I love you, sweetheart. Um, you ready for some hamburgers? Yeah. And I love you guys. And we'll talk to you on Friday. Do, 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 do. I, I tried to remember the lines to the immigrant song and I couldn't. Come from the land of the ice oh, and snow. I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. <laughs>